Hello and welcome to Intune, the Scottish Music Centre's podcast series. My name is Keith Beatty and today I'll be chatting to Robert Kilpatrick from the SMIA as we talk about the Say Award in its 10th year. How you doing, Robert? I'm good, thanks, Keith. How are you? Oh, I'm good, I thank you. Um, right, I'm going to take right to the very back, to the beginning. So how did it happen? How did you end up working in music? Yeah, man, it's funny you asking this because I realised uh, I realised this week as I was watching kids going up Sucky Hall Street to go to the, uh, all the clubs and stuff for freshers that it was 10 years ago um, that I started uni, um, which... I mean, I know it's a bit longer for you than it is for me, uh, but <laughs> that was definitely a moment for me when I was like, man, 10 years, uh, very, very weird. But um, when I first uh, when I first left school, I, I went to Glasgow Uni and I wasn't studying music. Um, I was studying business and philosophy and sociology. Um, I, yeah, I did, I did quite well at school and like, as a lot of people get with parent influence and teacher influence at the time, it's like, oh, well, you know, you should go to Glasgow Uni or you should go to Edinburgh Uni. And they're kind of just seeing what they feel is the most appropriate career path for you based on how you've done at school, um, kind of making those decisions for you before you're actually able to, th able to think about it properly yourself. So I went to Glasgow Uni um, and I did, well, yeah, within maybe a month of starting there, I met um, a bunch of guys and we started a band together. Um, so I sang and I played guitar. And very quickly, as we started doing stuff with the band, I started doing all the, what I didn't really realise at the time was the management type of side of stuff. Um, so whether that was trying to book a shows or like um, getting our kind of branding and comms and stuff and all that like sorted. Um, and I loved it. Like I was getting really into it. And the more we started doing that stuff, um, the more I stopped doing uni stuff. <laughs> and um, six months kind of passed. And within that time, I started to realise anyway that um, my passions and interests from what I was doing with the band stuff, that I knew that's what I wanted to do. And having, you know, having went to a load of shows and stuff, being like a, a wee guy, I knew a lot of people that were in actual bands i'll say um you know but bands that were bands that were in my eyes at the time like doing it and making it for real and like inspiring to me um and i was quite lucky in the sense that i had a network of people around me to show me that it, it wasn't just a conceptual thing like it could actually be a real thing um and through that um yeah through speaking to people i started hearing about there was like music business courses and there was music performance courses that i didn't even know about you know like i, I never got told any of that existed at school even though music was a big interest for me at school um so i did six months of uni i quit i dropped out uni um and i applied to do music business at stowe college um which is now glasgow kelvin college obviously um so yeah that was kind of how i got into it carried the band on moved into doing music business stuff and that was, yeah, I guess, that kind of natural transition. Fantastic. You know, we did the exact same thing, apart from the course. Like, I'd went yeah. to Caledonian Uni and did social sciences for the same reason, like poor career advice. And then left after six months and went to Stowe College, but did uh, composing and arranging, did lit writing, um, which then went to UWS, which was Paisley Uni. That's hilarious. Yeah. We, just, we basically spent six months at the wrong unis. 
so much, man. I mean, when <laughs> when I when I was dropping out Glasgow, you know, I remember saying to my mum and dad, and this is even a thing as well. I don't know if you experienced this, but my mum and dad did not understand like what I was doing here because, in the same way, the advice I was getting that was obviously advice that you know they were trying to give me or they had given or just like what was kind of like expected or seen as the right thing because my dad went to Stowe College my dad was like you cannot be chucking a Glasgow uni degree away I went to Stowe College he's seen it as like me taking a, a step back the way or a step down um whereas to me I was like well no like this will allow me to really sink my teeth into something and like excel rather than feel like quite you know disgruntled or whatever yeah. um so yeah, it was a it was a really great move for me, and um, I'm sure we'll come on to like the next bit when you ask me like kind of where it went from there. But um, from from that moment, I started college as well as doing the band stuff because I was doing music business. A real plus, I think, of going to college was it really showed me, unlike uni, where a lot of it was like academic and theoretical. College there was a massive emphasis um, on practical experience. So I very much, well, very quickly got involved in working at festivals like doing artist liaison accreditation um doing you know um stage management type stuff as well i worked for the great escape for like a good few years and festival and places like that but that yeah that point of making that move into actually studying it formally and knowing that that was a opportunity was really what set me off into the path of where i'm now fantastic so that so did you do all that when you were at college or was that when you went to, did you go to uni after college yeah, so I did two years doing HND music business at Stowe, and then that got you into third year of doing commercial music at UWS. So that was the kind of path I took. Um, but yeah, I started, I mean, initially I started doing stuff in Scotland. So I'd do things at like, you know, Expo North and like things like that. Um, and, you know, like sell sell merch for bands or do ticketing for like, you know, just wee things in and about town. Um, and then yeah from that i was like yeah i was still at college and then i did i volunteered initially at the great escape um and that was to be a venue rep so working in one of the you know 30 40 odd venues around brighton that they use repping the shows um and yeah did it voluntarily so there was like a you know significant cost to doing it i had to head down to brighton i stayed in a mental ho uh, hostel that was like a 16 bed hostel because I had like no money at the time and was obviously not getting paid um, doing 16 hour shifts three days in a row uh, going going back to the hostel to try and get a bit of rest and it was like wild um, so it was yeah it was quite an intense few days but um, you know sure. I, think that's, I think that's all part of it you know um, just gaining that experience and trying to find those opportunities and yeah like, like I said from, from that progressing in uni and getting that whole rounded um, mix of, yeah, practical real life experience, but also the kind of academic, um, more theoretical side as well. Yeah. And so from, from university, what led you into this SMIA world? Yeah, so the SMIA was another thing that I did whilst I was studying. So I did that in 20, so initially um, started at the SMIA as an intern in 2014. And I was doing, at the time, the SMI had one member of staff and a, a voluntary board. So it's, it's a very different organisation now to what it was then. Um, yeah. Even me as my like one day a week uh, voluntary intern type role, I felt like I was playing a significant part, which was like really, really nice, but also kind of threw you in at the deep end. And it was like that because, because it was, you know, such a small organisation with such a massive remit at that time. I'm quite an ambitious person so like i really saw that as an opportunity to like sink my teeth into something and be like 
oh, well, like, whatever I do here is going to make a mark and make a difference because it's, you know, it's adding on to a very, very small team um, and it's going to mean that we can do more and stuff. So what was one day a week? Um, I started, I think I started, like, say, July or July 2014. So I just missed the Say Award that year. Um, Young Fathers had won that year. Um, and funnily enough, like, this is quite a nice wee, like, antidote type story. Like, when I just started at college, um, after I left uni, et cetera, my first day of studying music business, Douglas McIntyre was my lecturer at uh, Stowe at that time. And our very first class was on listening to the Say Award shortlist. And it was in the first year of the awards, so 2012. And Douglas got our class to listen to. We were split into groups and we all like listened to a different, one of the 10 different shortlisted albums and talk about what made it an outstanding Scottish record. So for it to then suddenly evolve into me, you know, intern the SMIA. And like I said, missed the Say Award that year, but had heard and knew of the Say Award. Um, starting one day a week. And then when it moved into 2015, when it was coming to the Say Award that year, I started doing more, um, uh, yeah, more to help on that stuff. And that that essentially, I, I stayed doing that type of stuff, um, helping out as and when I could. Um, and then following me leaving uni, having done all the festival type stuff on the side as well. Um, yeah, I was offered I was offered a job at the SMA. That one job that there was uh, became available. And uh, having having worked on it for like maybe three years at that point, like um, on and off kind of like while I was at uni, just helping and like especially around Say Award, like. Working with Stuart Henderson on that, um, who obviously ran Chemical Underground and he was chair of the SMI at the time. That was like the most inspiring thing ever for me because the way he spoke about music and the way he taught me about why the Say Award was what it was um, made me think this is the most important thing for Scottish music and culture. And it made me, like I said, as quite an ambitious person, want to put my all into it. So, um, aye, it was great. It's funny. So, I mean, I remember... Not that I'm that old, but I remember it sort of being set up in the sort of infancy of it. And I think previous to the SMA, there's, there was various attempts to do something similar, but um, it, it seemed quite exciting watching it, even just watching meetings happen, but watching people come in and out and all the sort of chats around setting it up. It was quite exciting to see something new happen. And that was when there was like Caroline was involved and then Stuart uh, Thomas and then obviously Stuart Henderson involved. And it had moved. We, Caroline used to work in the office, so we we could hear everything that was going on, all the setting up and all the things that were going around it, and it was all always quite exciting. And then it moved to that, is it Brigton? Does it move over to Brigton? Is that where you yeah. are still? No, no. Um, well, and in, in COVID world, we are a mix of, we have, we've got co-working space, a co-working space that we use in Glasgow and Edinburgh, and then also work remotely. But the last main office we had pre-COVID times was in the Hidden Lane in Finiston, um, which was nice. Um, very, very weird not having an office now, man. Um, I know you're working from home now, but you know, Scottish Music Centre still still got its like fixed space. Um, but yeah, it's like weird in these times where yeah, where where you go to work doesn't feel like a place, it feels like a um a ta- like a yeah, what am I trying to say? Here? It's, it's like a block of time. It's almost like a block of time rather Yeah, it's a mental space rather than a physical space. It's true, so true. Yeah. So, and as you said there, it's changed quite a lot. Like for people who I'm, I'm conscious of, I saw quite a lot of it being set up and, and hearing quite a lot of it being set up, but for people who know nothing about it and the phrase SMIA doesn't, you know, it's a brand new phrase. Like what, what is that and what does it do? What, is, what does the SMIA do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, SMIA, 
And I'm glad you said that because so many people say smear, mm. which uh, sounds quite horrible, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, SMIA, uh, Scottish Music Industry Association. So, yeah, in the time, in the time you'll have seen it develop, it was initially set up really in recognition of the fact that the music industry in Scotland lacked a unified voice to one pull people together and look at how we can work together for common good and you know common benefit but then also look at where we can identify common challenges and work together to overcome them to allow the industry to grow and then um, become more diverse strong and um, prosperous all the good stuff that uh, all us want to see for scottish music um but i am um, a very, very broad mission for what essentially at that time was a very, very leanly resourced thing. Like, even like I said, when I first joined it, there was one member of staff, a tiny wee office and a voluntary board. And um, it was to service an entire music community across Scotland that many of those people working in music in Scotland, it's not just like one group of people that all share the same needs, wants, challenges. Um, you know, if you think of like other music trade bodies across the UK, for example, where you've got like the Music Managers Forum who represent managers or the Music Publishers Association, obviously representing publishers, the SMIA was to kind of be the unified voice and body for all of these people in Scotland and not all of them, you know, one, not all of them have the same these wants, challenges, etc. But depending on where you're based in Scotland, your experience of working in music will be different, depending on your career level, depending on if you're working for a company or if you're a freelancer or a sole trader there's all these like nuances that made the the mission of the SMIA whilst very very important and um heartfelt and like you know inspiring also incredibly difficult to action at a time where there wasn't the the full kind of resource behind it so the journey of the SMIA has been <laughs> it's been one of um a lot of slogging from um everyone that's been involved you know whether that's been like board directors over the years or like members of staff volunteers um it's had that you know it's had a lot of people that have put a lot of time and passion into it and it's taken a bit of like you know trial and error and like um rejigging strategy and always i guess trying to be responsive to what the industry needs um for us to get to where we are now but essentially the way the journeys went is the main thing i think that can be seen as the thing that's taken the smi from where it was back in 2008 where it, when it was set up to where it is now is the success of the say award um because that um the say award scottish album year award for anyone who doesn't know is the smi's flagship project and uh, it's a twenty thousand pound prize for the best album each year uh, with nine runner-up prizes of a thousand pounds each um, and I'll talk about, about the Say Award in the context of this year in a bit, but what that project meant was um, that was a real opportunity to bring the industry together for common good, recognising the strength and diversity of music being made in Scotland, regardless of genre, regardless of career level. It was literally just about trying to provide yeah, an inspiring initiative to unite everyone and allow people to get behind it. And as with award ceremonies generally, they're always as like... Um, you know they're meant to be contentious like uh, that's part of it that's how you get people actually talking about them in social media and you know like um if everyone just agreed that wouldn't it wouldn't be any fun with it um definitely be easier for me to deal with but uh, it wouldn't be any fun um but what that what that meant was it brought people together it brought profile to the smia it brought profile to the the industry the smia represented in a lot of cases as well because you'd have some of the biggest artists in Scotland on the long list, which is the top 20 albums of the award every year. 
next to some of the most exciting emerging artists in Scotland as well, who might have made a record from their bedroom, might not have like a big record label behind them, etc. So it, it kind of put people on like a level playing field and showed that regardless of what you have around you in terms of like that kind of infrastructure, an outstanding album that resonates with people deserves to be celebrated for that. And through the Say Award, you know, um, gaining partnership funding from other organisations that in itself added to like the the credibility and I guess the the track record and strength of the SMIE's work and that money that the Say Award managed to bring in for the SMIE then allowed us to top up the funds to do the other projects um, that were more kind of targeted on industry development and through time um, as we we kept going with that and growing year on year we eventually um, reply, uh, applied um, for Creative Scotland regular funding um, and got granted that in 2018. And that turned um, our one staff member organisation into uh, an actually resourced organisation with a very clear remit and um, yeah, the resource to actually deliver meaningful projects to, um, to support the industry. I was going to say, like, I'm glad you mentioned that. One of the things that I did notice through the last maybe five years has been has been the response to things like your the events that you've put on have been they've been excellent, totally excellent. It, like there's a branding one I came to, and there was one, and we're always passing that information to the young people that we work with through the projects in the music centre, um, because they're so useful. And and I, I was going to ask you how that affected, how did COVID, this sort of pandemic, affect that? Did you keep them running, or did you manage to keep some online webinar types, or did you? How did that work for you? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> where do I start with this one um honestly I just like you saying that there I, I just get taken back to like trying to problem solve when COVID happened I was just like meltdown um no I mean thanks man I'm glad I'm glad you found our events useful and like um I definitely think they have been like a big kind of focus so when we got the regular funding one amazing thing that allowed us to do actually to just kind of take a step back was SMIE membership in the past when we didn't have that kind of solid um yeah solid kind of support from uh, from uh, any kind of funding body we ride very much in project by project based funding and like i said say award we generally help top up some of that stuff but as soon as we got regular funding that security and resource um through creative scotland allowed us to make a fundamental change to smie's membership so the membership of the smie used to be paid so it was almost like a chicken and egg type thing. We needed membership revenue to deliver projects, but we needed to deliver projects to make the make the membership valuable um, to people who would want to join. So we were continually on yeah that kind of path for a while. And what the regular funding meant was we were able to make membership free. So from that very that very simple thing, where you know that funding was essentially subsidising what we used to rely on from revenue from membership uh, memberships. We were able to make, yeah, we were able to gain far many more members, different people at different career levels and really expand our reach. So we built up, because the membership became free, we built up, you know, thousands of members um, through the SMIE's website, etc. So when the pandemic happened, what that meant was we already had through our membership system, etc., an ability to reach these people digitally. So we were able, we were able to um you know, pre-COVID, we'd had workshops and we would tour them around Scotland. So we'd maybe do, say, 12 to 15 workshops in person a year, you know, some in the central belt, but then also recognising, um, the, the you know, the very, very important need of going to Inverness, making the trips to even places like Orkney and Shetland that a lot of the time 
people who are working in music, uh, they are prior to Zoom days where there was stuff that you could access online. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot easier now, but a lot of people felt there was no there, there was no um, opportunity to get involved in these type of things. So we really made an active effort to, to tour what we were doing. But when COVID happened, yeah, we, we reverted a lot of this stuff to digital. And luckily as well, part of our workshop program, when we did them in person, we recorded everything. So we, you know, everything was video captured, audio captured. So we actually had resources as well as new things to deliver online. So, I mean, timing wise, when I actually think about it, if we didn't get that, if we didn't get that regular funding in, 20, in 2018 and COVID had then happened, obviously in 2020, I mean, in terms of what what we exist to do and how we exist to support the music industry and like our our kind of our mission statement is to strengthen and empower and unite Scotland's music industry. So if I think about if we didn't get um that regular funding back in 2018 and then COVID happened and the kind of role we play, I definitely think there would have been a gap. And I think that, you know, a lot of people who are maybe not as tapped into being able to connect to government or connect to decision makers and actually advocate on the industry's behalf through their own roots. Yeah. A lot of people out with that, and especially like freelancers or um, you know, people who or maybe um, try to develop a career in the music industry, but it's not quite full time, etc. They would not have had um, that same vehicle of support um, or um, the res resources to try and weather the challenges of COVID. So, timing wise, yeah, it, it does feel quite lucky in a lot of ways um, that it happened. Like without meaning to me overstate the SMIA's like role in it. You know, there's there's been so many organisations right across the board. The music playing a re a real pivotal role to support the music industry but in terms of why we exist and what our remit is um you know we would not have been anywhere near the same yeah the same way impact wise if we hadn't had that regular funding in place definitely and i think as well the, the role you played through that similar to some of the stuff we did through the music center it's it's, it's difficult i think for people who don't work in music or don't, who don't have a sort of an idea of what goes on and it, artists can kind of still function maybe not fully but they can still function through something like that and that's that's what very quickly became evident to me whereas people like crew people who work behind the scenes in music there's not really much you can do if that's your skill set and, and i think i think you guys shone a light on that as, as did quite a lot of organizations where these people sort of can't really work it was really inspiring though when you saw projects like whole, whole lot of roadies and stuff yeah. come together to try and be responsive but you know what I mean, they did great raising the money they did, but when you think about how many months these, like, you know, so many people are out of work, so a drop in the ocean compared to the losses that these people have faced. And the saddest bit I think about it as well is, yeah, like you said, I agree with you, like artists, they've still had the ability to create, you know, they may not have um, been in the right headspace to create, which is another type of conversation, but they, they you know, there still is the ability to do what is the intrinsic basis of creating art, right? If you work, if you work, if you, you know, if you're crew or whatever, if there's no live event, you actually can't work. So the really sad and worrying part of what happened, how that all uh, panned out was if people who, yeah, if people can't work and say live events, et cetera, they're going to have to make choices about how they can pull in money. And if that means working, doing a job that's not in a music related field, mm -hmm. like the, you know, the, the big problem is that you have skills losses and those people who have, you know, relationships, contacts, experience, 
very very nuanced experience as well you know um, end up leaving the industry and that can actually cause infrastructure challenges to how the industry functions as a whole Um, I think that was the real scary bit of it and personally speaking as well like seeing a lot of people I knew and I'm sure the same on your end lose jobs and like become out of work it was devastating you know Um, they were just so unfair yeah I know I just hope now, see, I've been seeing it, like, it looks like these things are moving again, which things seem to be going in the right direction, I hope. Um, yeah. Just to wait and see how that works. Um, let's talk about the Say Award, because I'm interested in, in the sort of nuts and bolts of how it all goes together. And I'm obviously, it's, it's a good time to thank you for doing this, because I understand you've probably been mad busy for the last while, because you've just announced the long list of the Say Award. So mm. how does it happen? So t- tell me, th- is it, Members of the public that nominate albums, is that how this, this happens? How does it all happen? How does it come about? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. <laughs> very, very much in about Sayawar stuff every day, every minute of the day for, for months now. But, um, man, it's the most exciting, like I said, like even taking you back to that first day of college when I was asked to listen. Like, man, imagine this, right, going from Glasgow Uni to college and being like, right, listen to that record and talk about why it's great. I was like, this is the best decision ever. So so is that, but you're wrong. (laughs) But um, no, the Say Award. So the way it works, so this this year's the 10th year of the award, which um, is like, yeah, hard to believe in some ways, but amazing. And um, I'll prelude it with giving like the the kind of nice spiel about what it's done in those 10 years. So by the end of this year, for example, um, the award would have distributed over £300,000 in prize money um, to Scottish artists and championed 200 long-listed records. Um, and I'll explain what a long-listed record is now. I just wanted to prelude it with that bit. But um, the way it works, so Scottish Album of the Year Award, as you can imagine, prize to celebrate outstanding records um, released in Scotland on an annual basis. The way it works is um, we put out a call for eligible albums every year. So when we say an eligible album, there's criteria that uh, an album must meet in order to be considered eligible for the award. So one, when it was released, there was obviously a between like between this date and this date every year. Um, what How we define what an album is. And this one's quite an interesting one and probably quite a contentious one as well, because an album in the context of today's world it's very different, I think, than what it was like in the 70s or 80s or whatever. Um, but what how we define an album as um, uh, something that's at least six tracks in length and or 30 minutes. So technically some EPs could qualify for a Scottish Album of the Year Award if they, they are, say, six tracks, but they're under 30 minutes. That happened in the case of 2014 when Young Fathers won the award with Tape 2 and last year with Nova winning with Re Up. Um, but yeah, it's essentially a body of work. Um, the album word, I think there's, yeah, uh, uh, it's an evolving word, I think. Scottish artist definition. So the way we define what a Scottish artist is, is you either have to be born in Scotland, if it's a band, 50% born in Scotland, or irrespective of your nationality, if you've made Scotland your creative base for the last three years, you meet that criteria as well. And then also our release definition, so i.e. the music must have been available to stream or purchase by the general public throughout the... Um, the period, the period in which the album was bought, the and the qualifying period. So, if you meet those criteria, you can submit an album for the Say Award. And unlike a lot of other awards, without meaning meaning to name and shame them, uh, we don't have a listing fee for it. So, I think that we really pride ourselves on with the Say Award as it's a fully accessible award. 
as the main project from the Scottish Music Industry Association, which is obviously about trying to drive Scotland's music industry. It's wholly counterproductive for us to make any barriers to entry for the Say Award. So we want as many, we want to celebrate as many albums as possible, highlight as many albums as possible. Um, so year on year, it's uh, amazing to see how many end up getting submitted. And this year there was 327 um, all released throughout the pandemic, um, which when you think about that, it's, qu it's quite bizarre. And That's incredible. It's like really incredible. Mm -hmm. You'll have seen it as well. Like, sorry, I'm digressing here a wee bit, but um, when the pandemic happened, obviously in the way, you know, now in the context of the modern music industry, you release a record and you promote it by touring, you know. Um, when you can't, when you've not been able to tour, still knowing that all those artists took the jump into what is essentially not the strategy that people have been following, like in recent times, it's a it's a really inspiring thing, and I think that at a time where you know society's really needed music, it's been it's been quite a special thing. So that happens. All the eligible albums we normally have it open for a month, the submission period, and if it meets the criteria, it's added to our website. So. This year we launched on the 1st of July, up until the 31st of July, 327 eligible albums, which was great. The next stage is we then go over to 100 impartial nominators, we call them. So nominators are people working across mainly music and the arts within Scotland. In an odd case, it might be someone out with Scotland that's got a very strong relationship and understanding of Scotland's recorded output. Um, but these are people, when I say impartial, they don't have any commercial interest in any of the nominated records. So it might be people who work for record shops or music journalists or people who work for industry organisations or blah, blah, blah. Um, big kind of uh, list of roles, but no one with that kind of commercial interest in the record. So these nominators, 100 people, are tasked with reviewing the eligible albums list. So looking at obviously what's on there. And bear in mind from the fact that they are, you know, working mainly across Scotland's music and arts communities, they already have a strong understanding of a lot of these records that have been put out. They are tasked with nominating their five favourite albums in order of preference, um, and each one of their choices is assigned points. So first choice, 10 points, second choice, eight, third, six, etc. And once we have all 100 nominators' choices in, the highest score in 20 albums are announced as a Say Award long list. Right. And that's kind of the stage we're at just now, like you said. So um, on the 16th of September, we announced this year's long list. Um, like I said, as, cho as chosen by 100 impartial nominators. So I think if you're an artist and you get long listed, given, well, one, 327 albums taken down to 20, but knowing that it's chosen by such a broad cross-section of your peers, mm -hmm. um, I think it's like, you know, an amazing achievement. Um, I think it's really cool. So the long list this year... Um, you know, you've got some of the biggest hitters in Scottish music on there, like Biffy Clyro and Mogwai and Arab Strap, and then some really, really exciting rising stars like Talia and Lizzie Reed, Joseph, Bems. Um, it's a really, really good cross-section, um, I think, of Scottish talent this year. Yeah. But what happens next is, so that long list of 20, it then becomes reduced to a short list of 10. And the way that short list is formed is there's a public vote, um, 72 hours at sayaward.com, where... The record with the most votes automatically gets uh, a guaranteed place in the shortlist and the other nine albums are chosen by a judging panel which is independent of the nominator so separate people and it changes each year so on our judging panel this year we've got people like tim burgess from the charlatans obviously um, having done all the tim's twitter listening parties last year big albums fan <laughs> um so it's amazing to have him on board 
Um, we've also got Ian Rankin, author, obviously, um, which is great. Jackie Kay, poet. Um, a really, really great selection of judges this year. Phoebe from uh, BBC Introducing on, uh, on Radio Scotland. So um, you can check out sayaward.com if you want to see the full judging panel. But um, it's essentially people working across um, the creative and cultural sector um, who have already demonstrated um, outstanding creative practice in their own field coming together to look at what should be deemed Scottish Album of the Year. So that short list of 10 um, is then promoted quite heavily and then we lead up to the Scottish Album of the Year Awards ceremony, which this year takes place on the 23rd of October at the Usher Hall in Edinburgh. So it's uh, our biggest ceremony to date, a return to a physical event after everything being uh, digital last year, which is really, really nice. And at the ceremony, what happens is the shortlisted albums are celebrated. There's live performances, and this year we're doing some quite special stuff because it's the Say Awards 10th birthday. And then on the night, the winner of the award um, is announced in a yeah, £20,000 prize and walk away with the coveted title of Scottish Album of the Year. Um, that was quite a long time I was speaking for, but the one, one last bit to add in, actually, because that's generally how the Say Award process works. But... If that's not enough, we we added in two supporting awards to the main album of the year prize this year as well. So if you think about Scottish Album of the Year, obviously it's very much about Scottish music at present, but we've added in two new awards, one looking to the past and one looking to the future. Um, in terms of looking to the past, we've introduced award, an award called um, the Modern Scottish Classic Award. And this is essentially the long-listed artists, so the top 20, like I was saying, every year now, these artists will be asked to um, come together to pick an album from Scotland's past that predates the Say Awards, so before 2011, that's inspired them. Um, so very much kind of like, yeah, recognising Scottish music's past, but from the point of view of what has inspired music been made today. And then looking forward to the future, we've also introduced an award called the Sound of Young Scotland Award, um, the name given a nod to the, mo the motto of Postcard Records, um, of uh, of the 80s in Scotland um, and the idea of this record is especially responding to the challenges facing emerging artists just now looking at the fact that you know no no live shows you know venues very very fully booked everyone competing for press the press landscape being very very turbulent and stuff just now recognizing you know emerging artists really need that extra support and leg up um, so the Sound of Young Scotland Award um, Anyone can apply for it. Um, if you're under 25, there's a full criteria on the, the Say Award website. But essentially what that does is give a £5,000 prize um, to a young and emerging Scottish artist to facilitate them in creating their debut album. Um, and the winner of that is chosen by a panel of previous Say Award nominees. So very much both these new awards, artist-led, kind of passing the baton and celebrating Scottish music throughout time. Wow. I mean, apart from... The, the say award in, in itself, like what what a great a great way to frame all that. Like not only are you you know showcasing and shining that light on albums that are current, but you're also the people who have, have been shortlisted. They're getting to talk about albums that influenced them. Like what a brilliant thing to do, and then also the things that's coming next. So it's even that like it must feel like they're, they're a great idea, both of them. And I also think it must be a great a great thing to have these three hundred twenty albums come in for the say award when it's it must in some ways feel like a, almost like a massive A&R net, just finding all these things. Like, like I've never heard of 20 of those albums, 40 of those albums every year. It must be like, who is this person? Like, who is this band? Like, it's amazing. And even on top of that, having these same shortlisted people 
like looking at the shortlist, there's like a mix of folk and jazz and like post rock, and there's a real mixture of people. And if that's not, if you don't say you don't listen to folk music, and then you've got three folk artists on the, the shortlist, and they all talk about a folk album from you know forty years ago, it might you know, even for yourself or people listening or watching these these events, would be like, I had no idea who that was, and it's just it's it's you know. It's not only, that's what I'm trying to say, it's not only showcasing the current music, it's showcasing everything, the past and the future. It's a brilliant idea. Thank you, man. But like, yeah, like, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like cross-pollinisation, isn't it? Like across time, across different genres, across different areas of Scotland. It's really this kind of, we really just want the Stay Award and the two new supporting awards as part of the overall Album of the Year type prize thing to just be this kind of melting pot of outstanding diverse scottish music throughout time and yeah the you know those 327 albums you said yeah every year when they, we do the eligible albums type thing it really surprises me to yeah to discover some records that i've obviously missed like you can't keep on top of all obviously and especially when things like covid are going on but um yeah you're discovering some records that you know you may not have discovered otherwise is one of the best bits about the say award i think and um you know, even you know, even before it gets to a stage where they're long listed or short listed, I think a lot of artists just really love the fact that they can be platformed through the Say Award and kind of see their work be part of the the cultural language of Scotland of that year. You know, it's like special. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that the twenty third of October is the announcement of the winner of the Say Award. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So what else are our dates just finally before we finish up? Any other dates we should look out for, we should know about? Yeah, so the public vote um, is from this Monday coming, so the 27th of September until the 29th, 72 hours at sayaward.com. It's free to take part. And like I said, the album with the most votes automatically guaranteed a place in the shortlist. The shortlist is announced on the 7th of October, Thursday the 7th. Um, and on that, um, on that same night, the shortlist is announced. The winner of the Modern Scottish Classic Award will also be announced. Um, so like I said, chosen by the long-listed artist this year, an album from Scotland's past that's inspired them. So really looking forward to that. And yeah, then obviously the Say Award Ceremony on the 24th. So one thing to add about the Say Award Ceremony, traditionally it's been a, an invite-only event. Um, and that's mainly been due to the fact that um, the venues we've done, we've held for our ceremonies, we use the Say Award as a way to bring the music industry together. So for us, it's not about not wanting public to come. It's just that we needed the space to pull all these people that need to come together together so that people, you know, can network and build relationships and allow the industry to, you know, um, find more opportunity. But this year, um, like I said, it's our biggest ceremony to date. We've moved to the Usher Hall um, in Edinburgh, which is fantastic. And we're working with the City of Edinburgh Council. Um, for the first time because of that, we've been able to open up the Say Award to music fans. So for our 10th birthday, um, anyone's able to attend. There's, there's tickets now on sale at sayaward.com um, and they're, they're really, really reasonable. It's like a nominal fee. Um, you know, like I said, in the same way the eligible album type stuff, the last thing we want is barriers to entry. We want to bring people into the fold and join us. And um, it's uh, it's over 14s, under 16s accompanied with an adult. Um, so if anyone's keen to kind of check out what it's all about and kind of see see Scottish music on that kind of national scale be celebrated uh, in the context of looking at records. Um, yeah, please do join us. We'd love to have you there and love to see music fans in a room together. Um, can you believe it? <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a wee chat with me today. And also congratulations on all the great work that you do. 
as an organisation. Thanks, Lots great to chat. Thanks for having me.